Hi, welcome to the Crafted Quill Podcast. We're your hosts, Stephen St. Clair and Sadie K. Frazier. And we're coming to you live from the Inked Fairy Lounge. It's time to settle into a big comfy chair, grab a cup of your favorite beverage, and open your minds as we bring you a creative concoction of thought-provoking conversation and topics to stimulate your mind. In the first segment, we bring to you The Grind, where we discuss books, authors that wrote them, and everything in between. In the second segment, we bring to you The Melange, a brilliant mix of exploring creativity in every form and pondering unadulterated topics to dissect, discover, and dream of one day becoming. In the final segment, we bring to you The Poor, where we share liquid knowledge for the mind and offer helpful hints that lead to success and inspire you to find your own creative paths. Our hope, as we bring it all full circle, is to create hope within, to set your minds, hearts, and brilliantly creative souls on fire. everybody this is Stephen St. Clair with the Crafted Quill podcast and to my right is my all-time favorite human what's my name Sadie K. Frazier <laughs> I just wanted to make you say it say my name and we're back with a new year and a new perspective but let's let's set the timestamp on what's going on uh, we won't go into a whole lot of detail but it is historically Something that, you know, if we go back down the road and listen to this podca- podcast, excuse me, we're like, jar jar of memory, like, oh yeah, that's what was going on. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So, one of the things we just want to touch on, just, you know, keep it fresh in our minds and remember where we've been, but where we'd like to not be. Is the world in chaos or what? Unfortunately, again, sometimes it feels like we're just living out the... End times. We're literally going from the global pandemic that is uh, COVID straight to political upheaval and all kinds of systemic racism, which, you know, honestly has been going on since man first. The beginning of time. It was ever since someone said, hey, you're different than me. One would think that we'd have moved beyond that by now, but. We are still infantile humans. Mm-hmm. But as if that wasn't really enough, uh, we've got the recent events, which, you know, depending on down the road, if you're listening to this, you'll look back. But uh, the civil unrest uh, resulting in compromising protests and riots. riots. Boy, I need more coffee. <laughs> Speaking of coffee, what are you drinking, Sadie? Unfortunately, it's not fully caffeinated or fully leaded, so. Uh, but I believe. But it is Cameron's decaf. Cameron's decaf with a Which little. What uh, I think I mixed it with. Um, Starbucks. Starbucks. Cafe Verona. Verona. There you go. So. That was the, to throw in a little coffee humor there, but in all seriousness, though, uh, the past year has been pretty hectic, and uh, which is why we like to do this podcast. And we are going to do them more now because we we uh, one-upped it. We decided to go monthly with our bills, so we're gonna do we're gonna have to do a lot more podcasts to make it worth our our money we're paying per month. But uh, you know, as as they say, this surely feels like the end of days when you think about everything in the past year. And I don't know about you guys out there in the audience. Uh, I hope everybody's safe. 
we try to, um, my, my lovely wife, Sadie, works kind of in the medical field. She deals with um, stuff that, you know, a lot of people don't really think about. And I am in the public sector and education and IT, but, you know, we, we are exposed, we have a high risk for exposure. So, you know, we have to be careful and mask up and not, not to get on that bandwagon about masking up, but, you know, in order to get to tomorrow, we got to take care of today. That's right. At least we'll be around next year to talk about it. And this whole podcast is basically based off of the end of days, or is it the beginning of utopia? One notable predictor of doomsday events that I know specifically that pops up in my head is Nostradamus. He was a physician, an author, a translator. He was a a reputed seer, which many disagreed with, whether that was uh, dark magic or whatever back in the day. They didn't really believe in psychics or seers. He was also an astrological consult that predicted future events. So... I decided to Google what he might have predicted for this year specifically. So what did he predict for 2021? Unfortunately, <laughs> that's going to be my, my word of choice for this podcast. He predicted world-ending asteroids, zombies, and ruinous famines. That's what's on deck for 2021, according to French philosopher Nostradamus. <laughs> His track record for predicting the future has been freakishly accurate. However... One would then assume that his prediction for 2020, the roller coaster ride of a lifetime year, will go down in history, would be just as accurate. I looked up what he predicted for 2020, and it doesn't really say anything um, about some of these specific events that happened to us. So he predicted rising global temperatures, which is true, financial economic crisis, which we are obviously in the midst of, technology and personal usage of cell phones and TV, which has been around forever, and natural, natural disasters such as flooding, hurricanes, and earthquakes, but yet no mention of a deadly virus, specifically COVID-19, threatening to take out mankind on a global scale. Perhaps the reason that it is not mentioned is it because it was a man-made virus created to spread evil throughout the planet. Perhaps a way to control the masses and take over to create a new world order. Who knows? Hmm. You mentioned earlier about... Um, some bad things happened. It reminded me of uh, Moses and the plagues. Yep. So uh, if you're ever out in the street and you see a dude named Moses walking around, run the other way and hope to God you're not the firstborn. That's right. So a little little uh, end of times uh, joke there. Uh, another thing that, you know, when you think of scares or, you know, potential scares, I don't, I don't this is, talks about how long ago it is. Uh, anybody remember the Y2K bug? So for years there was speculation, and we're talking prior to 2000. Um, Just uh, a little side note here. It was the day we found out we were pregnant with our next to youngest. Yeah, there you go. The night of Child. the Y2K ending the world. <laughs> so, and, and they had speculated for a long time uh, what might happen. But for years there was speculation that on December 22nd, and I think we're talking about now, something else along with the Y2K bug here. But uh, there was a little thing that was tied in with the Mayan calendar. But the world as we know, it would have it would end. Some predicted that we'd be wiped out by natural disaster like a giant tidal wave. An earth-wide earthquake or tremendous volcanic eruption. Others believe that one, one day in December, the earth would collide with a mysterious planet X. No, we're not talking about Nibiru that's, you know, out there in between somewhere, but supposed to cause magnetic pole shifts, gravitational reversals, or a black hole so big that our solar system would simply disappear. What's more, believers said that this news was not really news at all. On the contrary, they argued, we have known about the coming apocalypse since the ancient Mayan predicted recorded. Now, let me backtrack here. Run too fast. It was an ancient Mayan prediction that they had recorded in our in their long count calendar more than twenty two hundred years ago. Do you know how long? Just in my own life alone, I've been hearing that the world was going to come to an end, that we should gather our supplies and head for the hills because it was going to end. Yet nothing has happened yet. However, about the book of Revelations, is this truly the end of days? <laughs> 
It's been predicted since the beginning of time that this would be upon us. Some say the vaccine brings about a chip that will be implanted, as mentioned in Revelations, and this will bring about the mark of the beast. There's also mention of a new money system and a shift in powers that be who are bringing about a new world order. It's really hard to tell. Even the movies, I think, that come out have talked about the apocalypse and the end of days for years. Uh, if, if you want to, I'm a side note here. I always do that. Um, you think in terms of human evolution, um, all scattered throughout history, one would have said that, I don't know, pick a topic really, you know, that was of the devil. It, it all has to do with human evolution. And, I, and I'm not trying to discount any of the authors in, in the New Testament Bible or anything like that or anywhere really, any religion. New things are scary, I have no doubt. And, I, and I'm not going to sway anybody one way or the other as far as God, religion, anti-God or religion. I, I, and I don't know if this is just a, a foible of myself here. I tend to believe, I have my own personal beliefs and whatnot and thoughts and whatever inside my own head. My wife and I share a lot of the same thoughts and feelings. I do think civilization, civilizations rise and fall whether it's due to natural or man-made occurrences. But, you know, we know a few people that are, I don't want to say you know, like conspirators or whatnot, but, I, you know, we won't know until things happen. And I think that's when a majority of the masses will either fall on their knees and pray or, you know, and my wife Sadie and I, we grew up in, well, 70s and 80s, but mid-80s we went to church together and it was by today's standards a cult i mm -hmm. would say absolutely and they heavily believed in end of days so i remember after we fell away from that church i remember being in sears down in missouri and i happened to look out the window and the sun was as big as i'll get out it was bright orange red and i'm just like i remembered from church like end of days things and i'm just like so i still carry that with me and even mm -hmm. It's just so hard. You see all the destruction in the world and the news, and it's not very positive out there, but you have to make positivity reflect on the inside out. Absolutely. But that's not what this section's about. We're talking about bad things. So back, back to the story here. Uh, some, some of the movies that reflect our culture in today and of yesteryears, uh, who remembers the... Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, End of Days. Oh, I certainly do. Yeah. <laughs> One specific incident where he's in the bathroom and meets Satan himself that just really yeah, it was pretty got creepy. to me. Uh, how about um, the Demi Moore movie, Seventh Sign? Yeah. Both of those are a religious fictional movie movies, uh, but there's a dystopian, um, the original movies with mel gibson called mad max now i'm gonna be honest i have not seen all that movie so i don't i, I couldn't honestly tell you the premise but uh it, it was uh, definitely a, a show to remember how about the next one uh armageddon a movie about a massive sized comet that races to earth and will it obliterate all of us that was supposed to happen like a couple times, wasn't it? Oh, probably. Already? Probably. <laughs> Nothing yet. About Oumuamua. We thought that was a, an alien. Then there's the ever-famous H.G. Wells movie and book, uh, both of which, well, I haven't read the book. I've seen different versions of the movie, War of the Worlds. Now, I remember, I don't remember because I wasn't alive, but this, what made this book famous was the radio broadcast. Yeah. Did you know that, Sadie? Yeah. It was an original radio broadcast. and That seems like that would have been even more dramatic to hear. Well, and the thing about that is that people honestly thought it was a real thing. They were broadcasting a live version of that book, and people were literally racing out into the streets looking to see if they were actually attacked. Yep. It so, was actually one of the earliest stories that detailed conflict between mankind and an extraterrestrial race. So, speaking of aliens... Do you think that they will unite with us and become part of our world, like in everyone's favorite movie, E.T.? Are you asking me, Sadie? Yeah, I'm asking your opinion. You, you don't want to know my opinion. Okay. Or do you I think they'll it. come in peace and teach us the way? 
Speaking of Mandalorian. This is the way. We better watch it, though. What if there are planets full of life and battles between good and evil? Just like light and dark sides, dark forces that fight for supreme reign of each planet as in Star Wars. They say there's actual planetary battles going on that we know nothing about. Just take a look at the stars. Or will they arrive like in the movie Independence Day with Will Smith? The aliens are coming and their goal is to invade and destroy Earth. That's also a possibility. Or, speaking of, uh, what's the favorite show the kids watch with the zombies? Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Or will zombies attack and take us all out? What about I Am Legend with Will Smith? It's an apocalyptic horror dystopian film also. How about Da Vinci Code? It's a mystery thriller novel written by Dan Brown that follows the symbologist Robert Langton and cryptologist Sophie Nouveau after a murder in the Louvre Museum in Paris causes them to become involved in a battle between Priory of Sion and Opus Dell over the possibility of Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene having a child together. That's probably one of the newer theories or conspiracy theories that I've heard recently. I think that more will come to light in the coming years over that, too. It's yep, kind of one I, of those things that I'm willing to venture an open mind and I say agree. is true possibility. And, and remember in that book, too, uh, the female character, spoiler, uh, they think she was, I think her, there was, wasn't there a character, last name Sinclair? Yeah. And they traced, supposedly thought that female character was a, uh, an ancestor of, of Jesus. Yep. So another uh, dystopian, and I, I have not read the book, so if this person or author uh, hears this podcast, which that would be really cool, uh, Craig Stewart, um, he is my favorite survivalist, and he wrote a book, and I found this out probably a year or so ago. It's, it's, uh, the title of the book is Rugosa. Uh, America doesn't exist, at least not as most remember it. The decision... To trade insurmountable debt for sovereignty has led to an oppressive rule by the World Union government. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it sounds like something that possibly could be coming very shortly. Anyway, cities are being destroyed and stripped of resources. Citizens are being captured and forced into labor camps. Boy, that sounds a whole lot of fun. Anyways, please keep in mind that all of this is fiction, but it's all based from somewhere. So yeah. don't freak out if you look out the window and you see a protest. <laughs> so, my dear Stephen, you are an avid follower and, dare I say, have a slight addiction to anything related to ancient aliens, correct? Oh, boy. That's, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, ancient aliens. I've always seen that show on TV for, for years. It's been on... 15, 16 seasons now. Uh, but whether all the facts they are promoting or not is true, you make the decision. But it explores the controversial theory that extraterrestrials have visited Earth for millions of years, from the age of the dinosaurs to ancient Egypt, from early cave drawings to continued mass sightings in the U.S. Each episode in that hits hit history show uh the series gives historical depth to questions speculations provocative controversies first-hand accounts and grounded theories surrounding the age-old debate did intelligent beings from outer space visit earth thousands of years ago now i'm gonna segue for a minute you and i both have had i don't want to say encounters but uh we witnessed and god i wish i was with you that time that a ufo sighting or two now we don't. Now I'm going to add we don't live in high UFO traffic area, but nope. you had an experience, did you not? Yep, with and, my daughter Jenny, coming what, back from Walmart on a very well known, busy street. I think they wanted your groceries. Probably. And then you and I, and also our oldest, our oldest daughter, did both both girls go outside with us? We were laying in the front yard looking up at the stars, and. I remember seeing something, but I, it was one of those, if you guys remember in the movie uh, Predator, the Predator had, the, had that uh, holographic, not holographic, but the camouflage, you saw the same thing I did, did mm-hmm. you not? So. It was definitely unidentified. It, it was definitely. Very much so. In the sky. And you can't rule out or necessarily agree 
that it was aliens. We, you, you can't, unless you physically see something, you know, the whole taste, touch, feel, you know, I'm not saying lick a spaceship or an alien. They might not like that. It may also turn them on. But we have, there, I have no doubt that we each have seen things, and you all in the audience have seen things as well, that are alien in origin or unidentifiable, mm-hmm. which if you think about those movies I listed earlier, they could be here for good things or bad things. That's very true. What was that book that you ran across, too, that we were talking about? I think it was called Alien. Oh, Alien, Examining UFOs, Angels, Jesus, and the Aliens in the Bible. Sounds like my kind of thing. Yeah. He is you. He just is. He is me. <laughs> I, have, I have always asked a lot of questions, but um, about the author named Jeff Bennington... He, like myself, was an Ancient Aliens fan, and after following the History Channel's Ancient Alien program, he became an Amazon best-selling author and decided to assess their premise, meaning their meaning the show, that humans are descendants of an alien race. I might have to look this guy up. He might, mm-hmm. he might have to be my new best friend. When Mr. Bennington discovered... Be- uh, became the most important book of his writing career. So someone out there said, man, that's a good book. Uh, Upon digging into the biblical and ancient texts, the author found plenty of information in the Bible regarding UFOs. And yes, watch Ancient Aliens, even if you don't agree with it. But uh, also bright spheres zigzagging through the sky, fiery balls of light ascending and descending upon the earth, and metallic craft watching over the planet. This is all stuff that supposedly is in the Bible. So someone cross-reference and call me. Uh, they're all in the Bible. But are all UFOs driven by extraterrestrials? This book, written by uh, Mr. Bennington, uh, investigates biblical encounters in context with unidentified flying objects, what these fiery balls of light are, and how they're connected to Jesus Christ. Mr. Bennington presents the evidence in an entertaining and impartial manner. You have to decide what's true, though. And like so many other things, don't ever, 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 ever take one person's thought for your own. Like when I used to do genealogy, if one record matches with another, another, and another, you start to be able to form your own opinion that, hey, it might be true. Right. That's the best way to learn instead of cramming it down somebody's throat and saying, you have to believe the way I do. I find it more intriguing to brainstorm to come up with what are the possibilities that we are not aware of just because we were taught something as a child through history does not make it be so take take a very analytical very scientific approach and prove it it's the best way to convert anybody don't just throw a book at them or a bible or sit with jehovah witnesses and say okay i believe you let's go yeah so you, not too long ago, it's been a little bit now, but you happened to cross an author by the name of Michael Stapa who discusses the presupposition that we are actually living in the end of days. Can you talk about how you met Michael and your experience with him? I, quote-unquote, met Michael Stapa um, probably a year and a half ago. I was doing some book research of my own on a biblical character, and I read... Some stuff online. Uh, I found a website that had to do with uh, Michael Stapa's uh, writings called The Last Temptation of John. But uh, Sadie pulled up some info, uh, an excerpt. Uh, basically says, What if the events detailed in the book of Revelation were about to occur this year? Could anyone save us? Could anyone save us from certain death? The answer is yes. Hard as it may be to believe, St. John the Apostle is still alive today, having been blessed with the gift of immortality so that he could survive to fight against the coming of the Antichrist. Unfortunately, over the course of the last 2,000 years, John has lost his faith. And you know what? If I'm alive for 2,000 years, I'm going to forget some things. Yeah. What if everything we knew to be true was a lie from the beginning of time? We're going to take a quick break. And maybe it's more coffee. I don't know, chocolate. But we'll be back with guest speaker and fantasy fiction author and my friend, very good friend, Michael Stapa, to discuss his trilogy, The Last Temptation of Christ, and his YouTube series, 
the Apocrypha of Azazel. It's the last temptation of John. Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> Christ and him are related. Mike, I'm sorry. We'll redo this. Maybe. It's kind of funny. The Last Temptation of John in YouTube series Apocrypha of Azazel. We will tighten this up right as we come back. We're going to go get some coffee, some snacks, pet the dog, whatever. You guys all hang back. We'll be back in a few. Be back soon. Good morning. This is Stephen St. Clair with my beautiful co-host Sadie K. Frazier. Today on the Crafted Quill Podcast Show, we are very honored and privileged to have a good friend, uh, Michael Stapa. He is an author, and I am very happy that you're here. Thanks, Mike, for taking the time to come see us. That's great to join you, Stephen and Sadie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, I stumbled upon you doing my own book research that revolved around... Uh, I think a biblical guy. I don't even remember. It was so long ago, it seems like. But I had found your books that revolved around the end times, so to speak. But what was the title of the book that you were you had out at that time? Do you do you recall? Sure. It's uh, the Last Temptation of John, and you were doing some research on the Apostle John. That is correct. Now I, I, you've branched out a little bit with that, and you have. Also, I have pulled up on YouTube the Apocrypha of Azazel. I, I actually, yes, that was some good stuff, and I, I haven't listened to a whole lot of it yet, but what are you doing with that project? That's a new project. That Really, that is what I consider to be my kind of my magnus opus work. Uh, it's kind of a far-reaching fantasy series. You are correct. It's called the Apocrypha of Azazel. So the kind of the twist there is it combines, like, you know, epic Tolkien-style fantasy, but with a bit of uh, humor. Um, you know, there is this character called Azazel. He is a fallen angel, and he. Um, the twist is he goads his colleague Lucifer into creating life upon our world. In other words, they created life here, not the God as we know it. And then uh, Azazel conveniently backstabs Lucifer and gets Lucifer locked in hell, and then Azazel attempts to become God himself. So that's kind of the backdrop uh, for the fantasy series that takes place. And unfortunately for Azazel, uh, he's got some uh, often ill-fated uh, humorous foibles that uh, you know cause some problems for the creatures of our world. It is what I consider to be a potential true story of our world, and it's a little bit different than what we've been led over the years. Gotcha. I actually like your twist better than what's in the Bible, so That's right. we'll, we'll, we'll go with your version better. <laughs> Work out the details later. Now, well, it does explain some of the problems in our world. There, right. there you go. Leave it to man to set the record straight, right? So let's Amen. go back to the beginning a little bit, too. How long have you been writing for? Well, probably like you guys, uh, I've been writing for most of my life. Uh, you know, I didn't actually complete my first book until the year 2009, and that was the Biblical Adventure Trilogy that I call The Last Temptation of John. And as uh, Stephen and I uh, had discussed multiple times in the past, uh, it kind of ponders that question that's left open at the end of the Gospel of John. Namely, is it possible that the Apostle John is still alive today? And if so, what happened to him? What do you think? Is he still alive? Is he walking well, amongst as, us? As theorized in that book, although it is a fictional book, 
because uh, I don't really want to be labeled a heretic. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I do. Uh, I do tend to believe that John is still alive, and you know, his mission, if he has one, is to stop the uh, stop the Antichrist from coming. And that's what he wrote about in Revelation. That's the end times that got you and I connected, Stephen. And you know, I feel like. That's his mission is to stop the Antichrist, but the twist in the book is, you know, it's been 2,000 years. How would you feel if you were waiting for 2,000 years and, you know, you were thinking Jesus was going to come back during your lifetime 2,000 years ago and he's still not back? So in the book, John is no longer interested in his mission and he lives in upstate Pennsylvania and just watches baseball and drinks beer. I, awesome. I think that's probably a better job, ultimately. <laughs> uh, what, what was your inspiration for writing that? I, I, was, I, I love reading the Bible. I've always been intrigued uh, by it. And that particular question, if you read the end of the Gospel of John, you know, Jesus is talking with Peter, and he does say to Peter, hey, don't worry about John. If I want him to remain alive until I return, that's not your concern, Peter. You have a different path. So I always latched onto that. I'm like, well, what happened to John? If he never died, where is he now? Yeah, so poor, that, that was how the work kind of developed. The poor guy got to hear about his brother living forever, and yet he doesn't get to? That kind of seems unfair. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. Um, what <clears throat> Do you think your book and, and the things you're working on in, in this sense, do you think it would have done as good, worse, or better, say, 10, 15 years ago? You know, that's a great question. I'm going off um, topic, by the way. <laughs> and, no, no problem. You know, the, the, you know the, the challenge for all of us, I think, who are not uh, mainstream writers is getting connected with a publisher. And, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, your only avenue for getting your work out to the world was, you know, playing that game and getting the publisher to believe in you and publish your book. But nowadays, we don't have to worry about that anymore because you can just self-publish. Yep. And, you know, I know that's kind of uh, maybe something we might talk about in the future here, but... So I, I tend to think that now is the golden age for writers, you know, who aren't of the mainstream because we're not relying on anybody else to get our works out. We can put it out to the world via self-publishing, so I'm happy that, you know, we have the tools that we have nowadays. Is that how you handle publishing your books? Do you have a publisher? Have you had a publisher in the past, or do you self-publish your works? You know, to my own detriment, I only dabbled in trying to connect with publishers, and, and it was such a chore that I, I unfortunately gave up on that very quickly. So I just do everything via self-publishing. I've got some skill with websites. So basically what I do is I put all my work on websites. Either they have individual websites or they're on YouTube or they're PDFs. I just give it all away for free. I've been blessed financially by God. So, you know, I'd love to have the extra income from having a bestseller, but I don't really need that. So I just give it all away for free. And it's part of what I call my legacy project. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So that, uh, so Sadie, that in, that's what influences me to write. Uh, you know, I kind of think that all artists, whether they be writers or painters or what have you, we, we feel a similar kind of pool, right? It's, there's some sort of an Absolutely. intense desire within you to create something. You want to leave something uh, that will serve as your legacy to the world. Uh, so you can kind of think of like that movie Shawshank Redemption. If you remember the one of the side characters, his name was Brooks. And right before he hung himself, unfortunately, he carved into the ceiling, Brooks was here, right? That's his, yeah. he's leaving something for, you know, something later. Or if you remember, you know, the awesome movie, Dead Poets Society, there's a great quote there. It goes something like this, that the powerful play of life goes on and you may contribute a verse. So, so my verse, what I want that to be is, you know, part of that from my writing. And that's the legacy. That's a very good summarization. I like that. And I, honestly, I've I've seen Shawshank, and I, I feel bad because I've never seen Dead Poets, but I, I definitely, it's always been one of those, like, yeah, I'll watch it someday. But um, those are some pretty good influences you have there. Um, how, how you, you and I have had conversations about social media. Has that been a help or a hurt to you? Well... Or, or, you know, or I'm nil. really not on social media anymore. I was on, you know, Facebook for, for quite a long time, and I used it uh, for promotional efforts for some of my other websites that weren't really related to, to writing. It, it did okay. I tried Twitter. You know, but what I found is that, at least for me, a lot of people were spending a lot of time trying to get more followers 
without actually doing much with writing. Now, I will say a lot of other people, because I know you, Stephen, and Sadie, do do good things on Twitter, and I applaud you for that, but I really don't use social media anymore, and I know it's to my detriment, because it probably does affect you know, my work getting out to other people. It doesn't mean people can't share my work. It's just that I don't really use that as a promotional strategy. I pretty much rely just on my website and YouTube uh, for getting my work out there. Gotcha. Well, I, I definitely think everybody has their their way of getting the word out. So what were you going to say, Sadie? I just wanted to know if you still share those through the platforms, like through Facebook, so you said you use YouTube and things like that. How, do you still share those to those same platforms? Or do you so use word I, of mouth? When I publish something now, uh, so basically the, the main books that I'm working on now is I'm turning The Last Temptation of John into a podcast, because you know I, I do believe that podcasting is continuing to be a growing media, and people want various sources for consuming books, whether that be you know, actually reading them in print or online or via podcast. Absolutely. So I'm turning that into a podcast. And I also have YouTube. Uh, it's a YouTube version of the podcast. And I'm doing the same thing for the Apocrypha of Azazel. So as I'm writing that, those series of books, there's two of them written now and three more coming. I'm making them all simultaneously into written versions as well as podcast versions and then a YouTube version of the podcast as well, too. So it sounds like you're going to be busy for a while. Hope so, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we all hope so. Um, do you have any, uh, you mentioned um, you like reading the Bible and, and whatnot. What other influences have you had maybe throughout your life that kind of like have helped shape you to be the author and podcaster that you are today? Sure. Uh, so a lot of my influences or the authors that I like the best really are fantasy-related authors. I know a lot of my work tends to focus, it sounds like it focuses around religion, but really much of it involves fantasy, uh, particularly the Apocrypha of Azazel. So this is going to be the big names, obviously, J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, David Eddings. Uh, also like this guy named Dennis McKiernan. I think he's one of the best fantasy writers a lot of people don't know about. And then uh, from the science fiction standpoint, although I don't really dabble in that very much, I've loved the works of Isaac Asimov yeah. really for most of my life. Yeah. So. I, I found a treasure trove of Asimov. We went to um, a Goodwill store, and I think I probably found like eight to ten of his books. I just, I just gobbled them all up and brought them home. Oh, fantastic. And you talk about like, you know, wanting to create another world, right? I mean, so many of Asimov's books, although they seem to be, uh, other than the Foundation series, they don't seem to be related. But in reality, when you put them all together, they really are tied together, almost every book he's written. And, and that, for someone who's written, I don't know, I think he's got over 100 books, maybe more. Wow. To have them almost all tied together is just fascinating. Yeah, he's got quite a collection, especially the Foundations series. Yep, yep. Those are my favorite. Speaking of collections, how many books do you currently have out? Well, I've got three in the Last Temptation of John trilogy. Azazel has two completed, um, and then there's a trilogy coming there that is, you know, in draft form, and I just have to obviously write it, right? <laughs> the hard part. I've got a book about uh, Minecraft. I've got a book about options investing. I've got a book about pets. And then I've got another one I'm going to be writing about the Wisdom of Solomon. So... Awesome. Uh, there's currently published, what is that, five, six, seven published, and, you know, more on the way. All right. What other projects do you have that you, I know you have some other things that you work on with YouTube. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so much of my online persona comes from the, uh, this character called That Helpful Dad, which, you know, when we first had kids that about 10 years ago, we we're looking for different reviews on toys to buy. And there just wasn't a lot of helpful stuff out there, particularly video-wise. And so I got the idea to start making YouTube videos about toy reviews. And that started this persona of the helpful dad to take off. And now he's called Bat Helpful Dad. And so that's where the YouTube channel, one of the YouTube channels started. I think I've got about 10 or 12 YouTube channels now. And uh, my primary website, thathelpfuldad.com, is how most people would know me. And, the, the stick there is I try to just provide, you know, 
helpful tips for real life problems, whether that's anything from trying to figure out how to watch TV online or, or you want to know something deeper, like how do you live a legacy life? I, I write about a variety of things that interest me, and you know what? Some people seem to be interested in that too. I can tell you, I was, I was, as soon as I ran across uh, your John book, I was, it, it was, I went online for one thing and I ended up bringing home a whole bunch of other things. I'm like, I like this guy. I'm going to have to look him up. And I tell you what, I still think about that project I was working on that led me to you. And I, I, I thank God every day that I was able to run across you. And we've talked, I don't know, we email quite a bit. So um, very much thankful for having you in, in my life as well. Well, amen to that, Steve. And, you know, as I like to say about myself on my website, I'm just an average Joe. I don't know everything. You know, but what I do know, we probably have a lot of things in common, whether that's for you or your listeners. And so that's what I share, right, is the things that interest me. And oftentimes it interests other people, too. But, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't know everything. But what I do know, I'm happy to share to help other people. Good idea. All right. So with today's electronic age we live in how does that uh help you as an author is it kind of hold you back are you old school uh what, what are your thoughts on today's various formats of reading well you know it's both a blessing and a curse i mean it's a blessing in a sense like we talked about earlier we have a lot of different avenues that we've never had before to be able to get our work out to the world so that's the positive thing right but, you know, for someone like me who's not on a lot of social media, um, you know, or doesn't have the time or the desire to use all these channels, that creates a lack of public awareness, which certainly is a challenge for, you know, getting your book to become more popular. In addition, you know, there's a lot of noise, right? And on top of that, people want things fast. And so recognizing that, uh, I am trying to capitalize in some way on that aspect by, as you know, we talked about, which is, if people prefer videos and podcasts, I'm going to turn my books into those things. Now, I can't necessarily create a video, you know, live view of the book. I don't have those resources, but, you know, I can create the podcast and then also make it available in video form. So if people want to discover those things on YouTube, uh, you know, you can do it that way. And I want to say I didn't come up with that idea. I've got that from, you know, the various gurus out there. But I do believe it's a good idea. And I have, I have had... Um, you know, more interactions with viewers via YouTube uh, than I would have had uh, from just strictly on a podcast or on a website format. I agree. Uh, I, I definitely think, like, uh, Sadie and I were already authors, and uh, Grant, we haven't done it. I think we're going into our, is this our fourth year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've been doing it only officially four years now, but like, like yourself, we've been doing it since we could hold a pen or pencil in our hands, but uh, podcasting was an afterthought, and I'm like, Hey, honey, what do you think about doing this? And it was just kind of like it, it fell in step with being an author. And then, you know, you bring in YouTube into the mix. And then, you know, I have a webcam mounted to my monitor. That's one more thing. And it's just like yourself. I think it's all about getting the word out and, you know, um, getting the word out to the masses. Amen to that, my friend. Yes, I think different people want to consume their products in different ways and so the more ways that you can provide it efficiently right as long as it's not interfering with the creation that you're trying to do of, of you know whatever your projects are focused on if you can kind of find some balance right there then it becomes a win-win for everybody and also it's pretty fun I really enjoy the podcast process and the editing and you know adding sound effects and stuff like that I said it's one of the things I am doing with my audiobooks on the podcast it's not just me reading the books. There is music and there is actually sound effects in there. And I really enjoy adding those little things in. It obviously, you know, triples the amount of time for each podcast to be created. But I do like the product better in that form. Uh, I, I agree. Very true. I was just going to ask you if you've dabbled in the audio part of that at all or if, which ones you're working on with that. Yeah, I'm doing it. Uh, full-fledged uh, music and sound effects for both the, the, the John books and the uh, Azazel books. Awesome. And, you know, uh, I've used uh, YouTube's free music library, so you get royalty-free music. But I also use this website called freesound.org. They have fantastic Creative Commons sound effects, and uh, the other people have just kind of loaded up, and it's really helpful. 
Yeah, I think uh, with our book trailer we've been working on, I think we bounced between the YouTube studio sounds, and I think we used one called Purple Planet Music. So there, there are definitely uh, f formats out there to be used to enhance the user, the end user's experience. So Chris, I didn't know about Purple Planet, so thank you. Yep, yeah, they're they're they got some good stuff. It's not. They have a smaller selection of free stuff, and then it breaks way out there in the stuff you can purchase the licenses for. I would say if you're writing anything like romance or t that type, it's not very good for that, but it's awesome for like sci-fi, for fantasy, all those. It's got yeah. a lot of dramatic music. Oh, great. Thank you, Sadie. That, that, is, that would definitely be helpful. Yeah, check it out. All right, once again, we are with author, podcaster, uh, famous Facebook promoter Michael Stapa. Um, Mike, I really appreciate your time. Um, I, I don't think I have any more questions, but real quick, can you tell everybody where they can find your stuff, how they can get a hold of you? Anything Michael Stapa related, let's get it out there. Yeah, really the best way as the platform to have access to all of my, uh, all of my creations is through thathelpfuldad.com. That's kind of a good landing page, and from there you can get to all my books and YouTube channels, etc. Awesome. Okay. Well, like I said, uh, pre-recording, um, we, we haven't set up the entire show, but when when we do, we'll we'll get this out there and incorporate it. Thanks again for your time, and I'm going to stop this right here. Once again, this is Michael Stapa, author of and podcaster for the Apocrypha of Azazel. This is one of his newer works. Everybody check it out. And once again, Michael, thank you for stopping by the Crafted Cool podcast. Well, thank you, Stephen, and thank you, Sadie. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. And that does it for the second segment with Michael Stapa, author and fairly famous religious fictional fantasy writer. Uh, stay tuned. Go get something to drink. Take a, Get a snack. We'll be back for the third segment, The Poor. Stay tuned. segment uh, this is our favorite segment called the, the poor and we mix everything up together a nice frothy mug of hot something something and we just enjoy every savory bit of it uh, last segment we heard a pre-recording of Michael Stapa I highly encourage everybody to go out and check his stuff out online uh, but this one is the poor and we're going to talk about some good stuff uh, it's a utopia and peace movement. So let's ask the question again. What if everything we've learned throughout time and history in the books themselves have all been a lie? Or partial truths at best? Does it really matter in the end? What do we do with that information? We can let it destroy our belief system and crumble the very foundation the country was based upon. It kind of feels right now like that's actually what's happening. So... We also have another choice, and this is the choice we're opting for. We take what we know, what we hope to create, and we move forward with a new perspective and create a new belief system founded of truth, kindness, and hope for a future better than we could have ever imagined it to be. 
Think about the lyrics to John Lennon's Imagine. Think about, I think about the 60s and how close they were to making this come to fruition then and how ass backwards we are right now in our, in our world. Um, so think about John Lennon's Imagine lyrics for just a minute. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for and no religion too. Imagine all the people living in peace. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. I don't think that's that far out of reach if we really shoot for just being kind human beings and stop worrying about what freaking religion you are, cramming every, every belief you've ever had into someone else's throat and just be who we're meant to be and love each other. I agree. Uh, we, we as humans, we have a lot of flaws and we have uh, mixed evolution to thank for that. But um, that type of world, when you think about today's perspective, is a little hard to imagine right now with all the chaos and uncertainty surrounding us. But it is possible if we band together and stop the insanity we ourselves are creating as a whole. But you have to ask yourself, okay, so what are some ways we can invoke change? What are your thoughts, Sadie? I think starting with just a basic principle of random acts of kindness. If you need any ideas on that, I googled some ideas myself. I mean, we kind of we kind of try to live our life this way anyway, but I went to randomactsofkindness.org and came up with a few examples. The first one, which we have done before, is pay it backwards. Buy coffee for the person behind you in line. Or food, anything like that. We've done that at McDonald's before. I've had coffee bought for me a couple times or food bought for us a couple times by the person in front of us. And we always try to pay it forward. How about we let someone go in front of you in line who only has a few items? It doesn't take anything to step outside. Even if you have a cart full of groceries and you're in a hurry, say, hey, looks like you only have one or two things. Why don't you go ahead of me? Compliment the first three people you talk to today. Send a positive text message to five different people right now. Encounter someone in customer service who is especially kind. Take, take an extra five minutes to tell their manager. We have no problem with calling... I'm going to use Walmart as an example. <laughs> Walmart delivery. Oh, no. When you screw up on my groceries and you bring me twice someone else's groceries, I have no problem calling and complaining. So how about we take a couple extra minutes and say thank you. You did a great job. Write a kind message on your mirror with a dry erase marker for yourself, your significant other, or a family member. My husband likes to do that to me all the time. I'll get out of the shower and I have love messages written in the the on the glass of the mirror with the... <laughs> what do we call those? What? Smileys. Smileys. See how much I love you. Write a, write a positive comment on your favorite blog, website, or a friend's social media account. We have a lot of friends who are YouTubers and like to travel all over the place, and we watch them frequently. It's always nice to leave them a positive comment. They don't always get the best positive feedback either. Um, people are very overcritical and mean sometimes when they don't need to be. So just kind of encourage somebody you know on their dream, following their dreams. Practice self-kindness. That's probably the worst thing that I <laughs> fall short on. Spend 30 minutes doing something you love today. Leave a kind server the biggest tip you can afford, especially right now during COVID. Take time to tell them thank you for the extra links they're going to to keep you, you and your family safe as well. Send a thank you card or a note to the officers at your local police or fire station because they certainly do not believe, do not deserve what they're going through right now either absolutely not my basic basic thing is just pay it forward wherever you can one might say in order to invoke change is be the change you wish to see in the world all of those that say you mentioned are very good ways and as creek stewart would probably agree in boy scouts uh, do a good turn daily and it can be any one of those things that Sadie mentioned. It can be just your simple, um, your outward appearance to other people. If you're, if you're positive, it's kind of like watching somebody yawn. If you sit there and watch somebody yawn, more than likely 
nine out of ten times you're going to yawn yourself. What they call that mirror mirror, mirror neurons. neurons. Yes. So smile at a stranger. Smile at a stranger. Not not weirdly. No. Just, but you never know what they might be facing and how it might change their day too. And and like my grandpa used to say, and I, I can never remember exactly. Um, something about waving to strangers. So I'll let you uh, fill in the blanks on that one. But uh, one biblical principle we've always tried to live by is the love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, you don't necessarily have to love or like your neighbor, but I I do believe there should be a mutual form of respect. You know, don't, don't. Crap in their yard. Keep the, you know. Keep that. Keep your stuff in your own yard. But you know, respect your neighbors, even if you only have one or two or twelve. Um, if we come towards each other with an attitude of humility, acceptance, forgiveness, and grace, I think you will find that you and I aren't so different after all. Which fits very well with, I'm sure, even the Dalai Lama's practices about just human kindness and treating each other with respect. And in, in this world of chaos and confusion, where you can really be anything you want to be, be kind. Anything you want to add, Sadie? Go off topic one more time. I know how much you love that. <laughs> Not really. I mean, it's just, it's a brand new world a brand new year full of change we put 2020 behind us let's do better than the last 12 months 12 years 1200 years 12 million years let's do better than the ones that have gone before us and create a new world in which we want to live and we want our children to live in someday or grandbabies we do have exciting news about our grandbaby being born soon so we'll have to share that announcement when that happens here coming up in just a couple weeks bragging rights that's right so remember, you walk out your front door, leave your crap at home, go out in the world, be the light on the rocky shores for somebody, do a good turn daily. And in closing thoughts, I want to thank my friend and fellow author, Michael Stapa. You're the best dude ever. Uh, visit www.thathelpfuldad.com for all of his stuff. He's a very multi-talented person, but uh, thehelpfuldad.com forward slash books. And please watch or read any of the other things we mentioned earlier. And as always, Sadie and I are authors. Uh, check us out on web. We all have web pages, Twitters, uh, but you can find us on Amazon under Stephen St. Clair, st.clair, and Sadie K. Frazier. Thank you, Sadie, for being my wonderful co-host. Absolutely. You guys have a good time, and we promise we won't go months without doing this again here. Maybe in a, in a couple weeks, we'll be back in your face, massaging your earlobes. Yep. We're going to be sharing with you our new book release about uh, Have Fate Will Travel and some announcements that oh, no, bring didn't. us about. Oh, yep. No, you didn't. I did. All right, everybody, have a good night. Stay safe. Watch out for zombies and do some good things. See you on the flip side. Good night. This has been a Crafted Quill podcast, a subsidiary of Traveling Realms Media.